everybody. Andy Hamilton of Track Wrestling back for another edition of the D1 Breakdown with the track wrestling ruler of the rankings himself, David Mirakatani. How's it going today, David? It's going good, Andy. Great weekend of wrestling. Another big one coming up, right? Yeah, absolutely. So there's a new number one this week. Penn State pulls the red shirt off Mark Hall, plugs him in Friday night at 174 pounds, and then Oklahoma State gets knocked off in three matches against South Dakota State and bouts that the Cowboys were favored to win. So the confluence of those two happenings was just enough to push the Nittany Lions up to the number one spot in our tournament team rankings. The three through seven spots remained unchanged with Ohio State, Iowa, Virginia Tech, Nebraska and Missouri slotting in in that order. Cornell is now tied for eighth with with Wisconsin, which cracks the top ten for the first time this season, and Minnesota remains number ten. But let's rewind to last weekend. We had four huge duels that shaped conference dual meet races. Cornell comes from behind to beat Lehigh, a couple of huge pins in there for the big red. Uh, including Brian Realbuto's fall against Ryan Price in a, a non-control fall at 174 pounds. Big Red gets another fall from Gabe Dean at 184 and uh, comes all the way back, uh, I believe, from a 17-3 to deficit uh, to win 21-20. to In the EWL, Edinburgh won a couple tiebreaker matches to hand Ryder its first loss in, in a battle for the EWL lead and that spot from that conference in the uh, National Duels Championship Series. Stanford won three pivotal close matches and downed Arizona State 21-14 to in a Pac-12 clash. And then the big one in Iowa City. Penn State won seven of the final eight matches to beat the Hawkeyes 26-11. to I know you were tuned into that one, David. What were some of your big takeaways uh, from Iowa-Penn State? I guess if you go by weight class, you know, 25 was, I guess, you know, you think, okay, Gilman probably wins if you're a senior versus a freshman. Um, I listened to all your interviews afterwards, and you did a great job, you know, getting great information from those guys. But I sort of respectfully disagree with Thomas Gilman that he chased Soriano the whole match. I mean, Soriano was trying to score, especially in the third period. That match seems like it's going to be close every time. 33 went the way you thought it would. 41, Jimmy Goulibon just found a gear, four takedowns in the third period after getting, you know, the, the crud road out of him the first two periods. 49, if you paid for a ticket, was that was worth the price of admission. It was just, that was an epic match. Like, I think that match, the Cade Brock, Corey Clark match, and the Berger Kemmerer match, probably my three favorite matches to watch this year. Um, 57, Jason Nolf is just at a different level than 99.9% of human beings when it comes to wrestling. I mean, it felt like at the end of that match that he just wanted Kemmer to know it's not going to be close next time either. Um, 65, you know, Vincenzo got out to the lead and kind of sat on it, so I don't know if Penn State would be real happy about that. 74, you know, I know we're going to get in the rankings. That's the the match of the of the duel in terms of creating chaos in the rankings. It, you know, Mark Hall comes out of red shirt and does it in Carver Hawkeye, and Alex Meyer wins and acts like she's not even surprised. So that's a big 
highlight for Iowa. 84 was, that was just nasty. I mean, that's, Bo Nickel looked like he knew exactly where he was going with that from the minute, or second, rather, that Brooks grabbed his leg. 97, McCutcheon won, but didn't look great doing it. And heavyweight, it's just sad for everybody that stole and injured. So that that takes a big, big shot at Iowa's title hopes, obviously. Well, we're going to take a dive into, you know, the, the individual rankings, 25 through heavyweight, like we do every week. We got some big news that uh, broke on track wrestling on Saturday. We thought Connor Utsi's career was done. He had that year sitting um, uh, there that he put on the table or left on the table his fifth year of eligibility uh, that, that was announced, I think, in September. He wasn't coming back for his fifth and final year. But the two-time All-American, uh, in talking to Michigan coach Joe McFarlane on Saturday evening, he told me that uh, – you know, they had had some discussions uh, a while back about, uh, you know, if, if we get thin here, we may uh, we may need you. And, um, you know, injuries kind of piled up on the Wolverines at 125 pounds, and they were in a pinch. And so so Joe McFarland called Connor, and, and uh, all of a sudden he's, he's back out there. So Sunday he records a fall, and his first match back, he debuts at number seven in this week's rankings. One other thing to point out about 125 pounds, we put these rankings to bed Monday evening and did not include Monday night's results. Uh, Sean Foss of North Carolina State back down to 125 pounds, a guy that was hovering in that 10 to 15 range for most of the first half of the season. You can expect to see him somewhere in the top 25 next week. At 133 pounds, we've got a mess on our hands here. Seth Gross beat Cade Brock. Zane Richards beats Stephen Michich, and now we uh, we have a jumbled mess from two to seven. Seth Gross beat Cade Brock, who beat Corey Clark, who beat uh, Michich, who beat Eric Montoya, who beat Seth Gross, and Zane Richards, who beat Michich. So if you got all that, um, <laughs> that's a lot to process. David, you have Gross at two. Brock at three, Clark at four, Montoya at five, Richards at six, and Meechus at seven. Can you explain how you got there? I can, and then I want to touch on 25 real quick. But a 33, I tried to rank it like it would be seated. And if you walked into a seating meeting, Gross beat Brock, Brock beat Clark. And those guys all feel like they're above Montoya, who beat Richards, who beat Meechus. You know, the guy that kind of suffers of all of this is Dom Forrest, who you know, only has one loss, but just hasn't had enough elite matches to get some big wins. But if somebody tried to tell me Kay Brock was two, if somebody tried to tell me Corey Clark was two, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put up a big argument. I mean, I think when people are looking at the rankings, sometimes, you know, I or you or me, we feel very strongly about a number, and sometimes, like, somebody's got to go in that spot. And two, three, four was like somebody's got to go on that spot. So, and the same thing with five, six, seven. Um, ultimately, what determined five, six, seven was we took the all star match out of the equation where Zane beat Montoya because they won't count that match uh, for the seeding purposes. So then that made it a little easier. Um, just jumping back to 125 real quick, 
Um, Sean Claus is definitely going to be there. Matt Chat this week is going to have Frank Beasley and, and Obi Blanc from NC State, so I was able to, to validate that. And I run a charity event, and Cliff Keen's a major sponsor, and Connor Utsi was actually my rep on the account. And that guy should be a professional poker player because he's been thinking about this all along. And I read about it in your article. <laughs> I had to text him. But, uh, I mean, basically he was working at Cliff Keen every day and literally came out of retirement. So, you know, you don't root for or against anybody, but he's a really nice kid and, you know, good young man. And it, it's pretty cool to, to see him come out of retirement and do that. So, Well, moving ahead to 141 pounds, we have no changes in the top 10, but you mentioned Jimmy Gillibon and his win against Topher Carton. And, and, you know, I've seen that from Gillibon in the past where if he's behind in the third period, it, it's like he goes into a hyper pace mode and, and pedal to the metal and, and uh, four takedowns in the third period for a guy who had scored no points in, in the first five minutes was, was certainly an eye opener. Uh, yeah. That was a an enormous win for the Ninny Lions in that dual meet. Uh, you certainly don't want to um, get that tide going against you in Carver Hawk Arena. And that uh, um, place was rocking a little bit after Corey Clark gets the tech fall and, and Carton comes out and um, gets out of that single leg and spins around for a go-behind takedown. And, and you mentioned he put a tough ride on him for, uh, I think, a minute and 56 seconds. And uh, But uh, credit to Jimmy Gullibon for hanging in there and, and really picking up his pace. Um, Kale mentioned afterward that that's a guy with an endless gas tank, and we certainly saw it in the third period there. But, uh, you know, 149 pounds, um, you know, it's kind of the antithesis of 133 and 174. Pretty easy work for you this week. The top 25 remains the same. But uh, as you sort of alluded to, we could probably devote the whole show to the Rutherford Sorensen match. That was uh, that was a classic um Rutherford uh, comes out and, and the two matches last year outscored Sorensen 14 to one. And, you know, I, I haven't gone back and replayed the NCAA championship match. And I, I don't know if he gave him that escape and trying to take him down for the major or whether Sorensen earned that escape. Nonetheless, he had not escaped in the big 10 championship match against, against Rutherford. And, and he certainly had not scored any takedowns against him. So in the first period, Sorensen checks off both of those boxes. Uh, it's 3-3 at the end of the first period, and you're kind of wondering, um, at least from my vantage point, uh, you're, you're wondering, you know, how long Sorensen going to be able to hang in here uh, against Rutherford. And, and all of a sudden, it's 4-4 um, it's in the third, and then Sorensen gets that takedown to make it 6-4. But I thought one of the key key moments of that match, and probably a pretty good lesson for, for a lot of wrestlers out there, is how you can turn and escape um, I remember David Taylor doing this all the time. He would he would shoot immediately after uh-huh. getting an escape. And how many times did he catch guys flat-footed when they weren't ready? And that was the one moment in that match where Sorensen sort of let his guard down. And uh, I was pretty impressed, too, with, with the way Rutherford built, uh, reeled in that leg and built um, up off his belly to suck that yeah. in for the takedown there. Yeah. Um, just a just – a, Unbelievable match. You mentioned one of your favorite matches of the year. What do you think put put Rutherford over the top in your mind? Well, you did the interview during the press conference, and, it, and you know, Coach Sanderson said it and then kind of took it back that Rutherford was sick or wasn't feeling well. But 
you mentioned 41, and I don't know if that match changes at 49, but I think the crowd changes if Iowa's up three matches to none. And then, you know, Iowa's, the fans are prepared for Sorensen to pretty much get dominated by Rutherford if there's any realistic people up there. That was just a complete gut check by both of those guys. It was super impressive. I mean, it was, and I mean, I'm watching it. I'm like, Sorensen's going to win this match. And, you know, I I think about rankings. I'm like, oh, my God, Colic is going to be the number one ranked guy in the country. And, you know, all those things going in your head. I don't know if that match will be that close again. But, and you know, I heard, you know, your your talks. Well, you know, but those guys, both the coaches, I think, were proud of their guys. And you have to be. That was just an amazing match between just two studs. And neither guy gave up. It's just one guy eventually had to have a little more riding time than the other guy. And the Sorensen had no choice but to kick him loose and go for it. But that match, unless you root for one of those two teams, that match was just epic. I mean, just absolutely epic. For sure. We had a chance to hear from Penn State coach Cale Sanderson and Iowa's Tom Brands after the duel. They both talked about the match at 149 pounds. Zane's probably the toughest kid I've ever met. Right. I mean, he, he wasn't really uh, you could tell he wasn't really feeling great. And I, I shouldn't say that because he just not to take anything away from Sorensen, but he just found a way to win the match. You know, he just looked like he was, uh, you know, he was he was in a tough match and he found a way to win. So, I mean, um, Sorensen did a great job. I mean, you always expect that I was very good at um, what they do and and uh, trying and shutting sh- shutting you down. So, you know, it, it's an experience where he, you know, he can go back and he can uh, he can learn from that and get better and figure out what he, you know, what he needs to do from here on out. But, you know, he re- wrestling, the, you know, the national final match from a year ago. They wrestled a few times and it was a great match. And Zane's tough. He gets taken down uh, and he turns around and scores right away. I mean, how many people do that? You know, I mean. Sorensen did not win, but at least he showed he could escape, something he couldn't do in the postseason last year. Does that help him going on, or your thoughts? You talk about moral victories with Sorensen. He showed he can escape. He showed he can take Zane Rutherford down. Uh, He's not about moral victories. I saw him up there um, at the break, and I liked what I saw. There was a guy up there that wasn't about a moral victory. Now, that doesn't mean anything except that we're moving forward the right way, the way that I like to see. Um, but he did show um, some things that if you are looking for progress, there's some progress there. But slam the door on the guy. And if you want me to get detailed, you want me to get detailed? Guy, we take the guy down to go ahead, and this is a competitor we're wrestling. Remember that. And he escapes, boom, right back in on us, takes us down. And we were, we were, you know, we were doing some things that were better than, than before where we were not letting him get underneath us so much. And we were getting our legs back. But on that one, it was a competitor. Got his back against the wall. We take him down to go ahead. He escapes. We're up by one. Boom, he's right back in on us. But we're escaping. We're escaping in the overtime. Give yourself a chance to win. But now you got to ride him longer. Or, you know what? Take him down again. At 157 pounds, the top seven remain the same. Brian Murphy of Michigan, though, Tumbled from 8 to 18 after losing to Kyle Langender for Illinois on Friday. At 165, continuing in that dual meet, number one, Isaiah Martinez downs number two, Logan Massa of Michigan. So no changes in the top seven, but Dylan Cottrell's slide continues. The West Virginia 165-pounder was up to fourth in the rankings four weeks ago. 
But he dropped a pair of matches on the weekend road trip through Oklahoma, and he tumbles down to 18. At 174, we mentioned the big news at the top, Cale Sanderson shoving all of his chips to the center of the table. He's all in. He's going with Mark Hall at 174. The move didn't return immediate dividends for the Nittany Lions on Friday night. Hall gave up a takedown with 15 seconds left to drop a 7-5 decision against returning All-American Alex Meyer of Iowa. Cale talked about the decision to bring Hall out. Um, it's just been a decision we've been playing with. Um, he's been playing with. Uh, he wanted to wrestle. So, uh, you know, obviously you don't ever take decisions lightly. And, uh, and it's, you know, you might as well get him ready. Let's, let's wrestle him, right? It's probably not the, the, the best match to pull him out as his uh, first match, but this will end up being, uh, a, 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 I'd say, a huge blessing for him moving forward. Not only in his call it collegiate season, but um, but freestyle, you know. Kel, was this a situation you were counting instantly points against Oklahoma State or any other team on the decision whether to bring Mark out or not? It's just looking at our team. It's looking at uh, you know the kid's got to be he's, he's got to want to do it, right? Obviously, with Hall in the lineup, you know we have a better team, and uh, you know Mark's uh, he's pretty special, so. Tough loss for him tonight. Breaks my heart a little bit for him, but you know he'll be uh, he'll be stronger because of it. You know, it's, uh, I believe that. But we still would have rather won. But you know he'll be he'll be just fine. He's very mature and just a, you know an incredible kid. Did he just run out of gas or anything in that latter part of the match? Anything that you saw specifically that maybe you hadn't seen earlier this year? Um, no, I just looked like he wasn't 100% focused. You know. Uh, and that's a tough kid, right? I mean, don't take anything away from Meyer. I mean, Meyer's tough. He has great hips. He's strong. Um, you know, you wrestle him in front of his home crowd. He, you know, that's a tough matchup. David, this was certainly no easy decision for Penn State staff. And it was definitely not an easy decision on where to put Hall in the rankings. It's interesting because he now has wins over number five and number six in our rankings. But he also has losses to 12 and 19. Meyer beat Hall and actually drops a spot in the rankings this week, which seems a little goofy, And but this whole situation got really complicated. Yeah, and, you know, we didn't – the coaches poll came out on the 20th, and so, yeah, that's nice. That's a frame of reference. And in the coaches poll, Brookie was 20, who he lost to, and Meyer was 12, who he lost to. And then he's got wins against Crutchmer, who had been four before his loss, and Price, who had been five, and Casey Kent, who had been ten. I think he's the only guy in the country with three wins or two wins now of the guys are above him and two losses to guys below him. And, and most of the time it's pretty simple. You know, if I've lost three to three guys, unless something crazy happened, the highest I can be ranked is probably fourth. This just is absolutely turned on its head. And – I ended up with Hall at eight, and that literally is the difference in the team points this week. You know, it's a, it's a one and a half point difference, and you know he what they jumped from where, you know, the week before they were at thirteen with Morelli, which was one and a half points, to Hall, which is five and a half. Four points was the difference. So along like what you said with Oklahoma State losing a couple matches, but Hall's got. It seems like. I think the fair statement you could say is he's got really wide variants. And, I mean, Epperly hasn't wrestled a ton of studs this year, and Zahid's probably had the best season. Bo Jordan hasn't wrestled much at all. 
I think you could see somebody in the finals that wouldn't surprise you. It's not like some weights where guys feel really locked in, like 84. But, you know, Hall seems – he just doesn't seem like he's a gigantic 174-pounder. I mean, he won the Worlds at 162.8. And I know he's old for a freshman, but he's still a freshman. You know, he's wrestling a lot of seniors at that weight. So – it's going to be really interesting to see. Obviously, Penn State does as good a job as anybody is developing guys and getting them ready to wrestle in March. Um, but I think it's pretty fair to say how he performs will have a gigantic impact on the team race. Yeah, it's interesting you picked up on that, too, because that was one of the things in watching it from Press Row and Carver Hawkeye Arena. When I looked out there and they were standing side by side at one of the period breaks, I was like, man, Alex Myers, you know, noticeably bigger. And uh, yeah. I think Meyer, I think Meyer, uh, at least from you know my experiences of, of covering him in high school and, and knowing some of the the you know, guys on the Southeast Polk staff, they always talked about what a good weight cutter he was. But uh, that was that was one of the things that was really noticeable to me in watching that bout. One of the big takeaways for me in watching that bout was the size difference. But one of the takedowns. One of the, real quick, one of the takedowns Meyer got was a go-behind where he just – it just looked like he squashed Hall and just kind of big-brothered him. So, I don't know how much bigger Hall can get in four weeks. I mean, that's that's going to be a struggle, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. At, at 184 pounds, uh, no changes in the top 14, uh, minimal changes throughout. At 197 pounds, we mentioned Oklahoma State-South Dakota State duel a couple times. Nate Roeder beat Preston uh, Weagle. In that duel, so he falls from four to eight. Um, at heavyweight, the top eight remain the same. Tough news for Iowa and Sam Stoll, as you mentioned. Another season, another ACL tear, and he'll miss the remainder of the season. Stoll had been ranked ninth um, on the map. Big news here over the weekend. Uh, you know, came Sunday at Stanford where Nathan Butler down Tanner Hall in overtime. Butler climbs four notches up to number 12. So that does it for the individual recap of the weekend and where things shook out in the track wrestling rankings. We're moving ahead to this coming week, and there are going to be some more, another round of colossal dual meets on the schedule this weekend. You know, Iowa, Ohio State, Virginia Tech, Lehigh, Rutgers, Michigan, um, Oklahoma State, Missouri, Penn State, Wisconsin. You know, I could go on and on. David, what do you have your eye on? in the week weekend ahead well those are all friday night and they're all at the same time so i think i'll probably be watching ohio state iowa and big 10 network and oklahoma state missouri on espn3 and and watching i mean they both have huge ramifications in the national duels right because if ohio state if i were to beat ohio state and ohio state were to beat penn state that creates a loop you know or, or vice versa if ohio state wins and it feels like Ohio State versus Penn State for the Big Ten uh, title as a representative there. Wisconsin's got a really good team. I mean, we have them ranked pretty high, and they have a lot of guys ranked. And it feels like they match up pretty well with uh, Penn State in, in, in a couple weeks where they can get wins. And, you know, Penn State's not good at 133. I mean, you're going to win almost every – they're going to lose that weight in almost every duel. So, um that's really interesting. Oklahoma State, Missouri's got big rematches for, in terms of uh, national rankings and seedings at 49 and 65. 
so, and then Rutgers is really balanced in Michigan, you know, we talked about UT. I mean, he just needs time on the mat because he's going to wrestle Friday and then he's going to wrestle Randy Cruz on Sunday. So, or Darian Cruz, excuse me. So, I mean, that's, those are, those are huge duels on Friday. And then there's a couple good ones on Sunday as well, but it's, it's dual meets are interesting. That's they're a lot easier almost from a rankings purpose. You can just kind of break them down and just pull up the results one at a time on track. But, um, I know we have the national duels, and this is all these have a big impact on what's going to shake out and all that. So, will you be at will you be in Iowa this Friday again, Andy, for the yeah, Ohio State Yeah, that's the plan. I will be uh, planning to be in Carver Hawk Arena Friday night, Iowa Ohio State. Um, looking at that one, that could be be another fantastic duel: thirty three, forty one, forty nine. Um, returning All Americans at seventy four. Sam Brooks and, and Miles Martin at yeah. 184. I mean, you, yeah. you can pretty much count. I mean, that's been the, the the fun thing about 184 is we're not talking about a bunch of guys that go out and, and try to win three to two, you know, try to get one takedown and hold, hold <laughs> serve at that point. For you sure. Know, when you, yeah. when you're talking about uh, the guys that, that strap on the headgears at 184 in the big 10, you got, you got guys that, that like to score takedowns and like to put people on their backs. And, and these two are, you know, Brooks and Martin are certainly two of those guys. I mean, that uh, have some big move capability and, and I would set the, um, I wouldn't take the under if the over under was five, (laughs) certainly. For sure. And, you know, 49 is interesting because, you know, when, when, at least from my point of view, when I do the rankings, I look at them, I go, you know, what do I, what might I have wrong? What could, you know, what could be a good argument against what, what we have out there? And Micah Jordan's 23 and 0. I mean, he just, he doesn't have any top five wins, but he hasn't wrestled any of those guys, but he's turned back all the other guys that are behind him and, and he's beaten or indirectly beaten all the guys right after him. So, you know, he gets a chance to jump into the conversation. If he beats Sorensen, or yeah, if he beats Sorensen, he's going to jump to three. So, I mean, that's really interesting. Yeah, 33 is at least, at least, right? Yeah. So, I mean, 33 is, you know, what a lot of people probably thought the national final would be coming into the season. 84, you mentioned, is is interesting. 74, you know, Bojo hasn't wrestled a lot. He's got to come in the Carver Hawkeye, and Alex Meyer might be a little bit confident this week wrestling. So, um, and... Iowa better have a seven-point lead going into heavyweight because I think, you know, assuming Snyder wrestles because, I mean, that's another hole for in, them now. Yeah, I think he's in Krasniarsk this week. Oh, that changes the duel I a think. lot. Yeah. 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 But still, I mean, we're if that's the case, we're talking about a couple backups there. And, uh, you know, you, you, you know, that one, you know, if you're looking at it from that standpoint, it could be completely up for grabs. But, uh yeah, point well taken. It's uh, it's a fascinating duel to look at uh, on paper, and, and it should be another fun one Friday night in Carver Hawk Arena. You look at uh, Missouri, Oklahoma State, uh, certainly not uh, what we thought it might look like two months ago, but uh, uh sure seems like Missouri might be starting to, to maybe put the pieces back together a little bit and wrestle a little bit better here recently. What's your take on that? that situation there and that dual meet? 
Well, they're making a big deal about it. I mean, they're bringing in Woodley and Askren, and they're going to have a huge crowd there. And, you know, these schools are very familiar with each other back when Mizzou was in the Big 12. So, I mean, there's a lot of matchups that, on paper, Oklahoma State's favored. But, you know, I mean, like, you know, Barlow's not wrestling great right now, but he wrestles well at home. John Ernesty, who who is coached by my friend Mike Tuck in high school, he's, you know, he's been wrestling really solid. I mean, Kate Brock's a tough assignment, but, you know, those guys tend to keep it close. Jaden Ironman goes for a lot of big moves. It'll be interesting to see how he wrestles, you know, the big fundamental, Dean Heil. Kalika Mays is just the 33rd episode of this series that we got there between these two guys. And then, you know, you got Joe Smith and LaValle, and then Chandler Rogers against Daniel Lewis, which is a rematch of Scuffle. So, I mean, there's there's a lot, lot, of, lot of interesting matchups. And, you know, I mean, you know, they might need bonus points from Jaden against Weigel. And, you know, Jaden's definitely better on his feet. So, it'll, it's just going to be really, really, I think, I mean, obviously, Okie State's favored, but, you know, when you go into these, these good home crowds, the team that's at home, you know, they, you get an upset. I don't think too many people would have picked Alex Meyer to beat, you know, Mark Hall. Uh, Mark Hall. I don't think too many people would have picked uh, Sorensen to, to take Zane in overtime. So, you know, at the end of the day, you're trying to predict the behavior of 18 to 23-year-old kids, and that's usually a losing proposition. So, you know, upsets are, are you know, are more and more becoming the norm. All these guys are coached so well. So it's just going to be fascinating to watch for sure. So we record this thing on Tuesday afternoon, and, uh, you know, we haven't spent a whole lot of time talking about SOCON yet this year. But, uh, you know, Tuesday night we got a a big one for the SOCON dual lead there, Gardner-Webb and App State. uh, Going to go out Tuesday night at 7 o'clock. Is there anything else, David, that uh, you want to cover this week that you have your eye on, whether it be from a dual standpoint or – an individual standpoint, there's, as we mentioned, a ton of a ton of individual matches that uh, are, are pretty compelling. Ma- you know, matches between top five guys. We talked about, uh, you know, obviously Clark and in uh, Thomasello being one. Epperly and Preach going to go at it uh, Friday night. Top five showdown there at 174. We mentioned Kalika and Mays and Sorensen and Micah Jordan and Medbury and Nick Nevels and. Isaac Jordan and Vincenzo Joseph, Lavalley and Joe Smith, Chandler Rogers, Daniel Lewis, Nolan Boyd, and Pat Downey on Sunday in Hilton Coliseum yeah. games. Yeah. Um, are we missing anything? That seems like a lot of ground to cover. But are you know, is there anything that we haven't touched on yet that uh, you know college wrestling fans should keep an eye on this weekend? Well, it's it's a rematch, and it wasn't very close. But you know, I'll be interested to watch Imar and Valencia again. They duel in Arizona State on Sunday. So, I mean, you hit on all the big ones. I think it's there's just so many individual matches, and you know, it's cool to be a part of track where you get all the data, and, and you know, you get to watch a lot of these matches. But you know, some of them just to kind of process it all, and um, it, it just you know, it just comes in waves. I mean, you know, you wake up Saturday morning, your job is to process you know, 25 dual meet results as soon as you can before it gets, you know, no longer fresh in your mind. So, but the Gardner-Webb App State's a big meet for the national duels because one of those guys is going to get to host a Big Ten school, and that's going to be huge for their program either way. So it's good to see those programs on the come up for sure. Yep. Chattanooga's still in there at uh, 2-0 and in the league, and, and, and 
the mocks could be part of that equation too. They probably will be before it's all said and done, but uh, certainly been fun to watch those uh, SOCON standings this, this year. Um, lots of parody there. Campbell uh, had the hot start early in the year. Um, they're not totally out of this deal yet. Um, you know, you're looking at it right now and there are four teams with one loss or no losses. So that's going to be one yeah. to watch play out over, over the course of the next two, three weeks. Um, but uh, that's all I've got for today. I don't know about you, David. No, it's always fun talking about this stuff, and I'm sure there'll be a lot of really interesting things to talk about next week. For sure. So check back to trackwrestling.com. You can check out David's rankings on there. You can also catch his Matt Chat interview with Terry Brands from last week, which was phenomenal stuff. Terry and David talked for an hour and covered a ton of ground on that. Uh, Topics ranging from, uh, you know, Terry is a wrestling uh, parent now. Uh, his son, Nelson, was an Iowa State champ last year as a sophomore. He's ranked in the top 20 nationally by Intermat. Uh, interesting stuff on that. Um, tons of stuff about his um, his approach to coaching and, and basically mentality towards, towards life as well. I know um, Terry says some stuff in there that were, you know, Good reminders for me as well. His hundred percent rule. Sometimes, uh, sometimes uh, that gets out a little bit out of whack for me, and uh, it's good to hear those reminders. So, uh, um, you know, you mentioned this week. Uh, can you give a little preview of what you have coming um, on Friday for this week's edition yeah. of Match Hat? We I talked to Frank Beasley, the associate head coach, and Obi Blanc, the assistant head coach at. NC State, and they talked about how three, four years ago they were 63rd in the country, and last year they finished 11th and were probably disappointed with 11th. And, you know, the, the rise that they've made and, you know, the fact, I mean, they talk about we scored, one guy won a, a backside match to score a half a point or else we would have been at zero, and that was that 63rd year. They talk about their recruiting process, how they work with each other, I've known both those guys a long time. I've known Obi from Oklahoma State. I know Frank all the way back when he was at Lincoln Community College when we used to wrestle him at Merrimack. So just two super, super, super good guys, really care about kids, really. Uh, and it, it was fun to do the interview with both of them together because you can tell they like each other, but their personalities are very, very different. And I think the kids out there are getting the benefit of having them both in the room. Well, you can check that out on trackwrestling.com. Uh, if you're trying to listen to it on the go, you can download and listen uh, through iTunes on the Matt Talk Podcast Network. That'll do it for this week's episode. Uh, thank you, David Mercatani, as always, for your time, effort, and insight on our rankings. Thanks so much, Andy. And once again, check back to Track Wrestling throughout the week. We'll have tons of Division One coverage in our notebook series, which will be coming out uh, once again. Those guys, our correspondents, are doing a great job with those. Lots of good information in those, and we'll be previewing the weekend and what's to come. Uh, thank you very much for listening. is part of the Matt Talk Podcast Network. For more wrestling podcasts, head over to matttalkonline.com.